Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And then it's a question of how long away is that home deposit? In, in Sydney, Melbourne, the typical savings time is nine years, in which case you're still talking about a long time horizon. It still makes sense to invest in at least a portion of equities um, and you could just invest you know, incrementally in them over a nine-year period. And Let's say that you get the market return of 4%. Who knows what will be over the next 10 years, but 4% is pretty conservative. That will get close to cutting your savings time in half. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today we're talking about laziness, about sitting back and sipping Mai Tais while the share market does its thing on your behalf. All you need is time and discipline. Is that the case, Kurt? You're very right. That's exactly it. (laughs) Okay, Kurt Welcome is the co-founder of Perla, a low-cost, slow-food, cruise-control investing platform that encourages long-term thinking with free brokerage on some ETFs. Terms and conditions apply, don't they? (laughs) We'll get around to that. The more topics I cover with this podcast, the more I'm convinced that ETFs are the best option for many investors starting in the share market. Um, I was just relating that story before we started recording about um, the only time you hear people talking about shares around barbecues is when markets are exuberant and ebullient like they are at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the bounce back has been, has been, I think, on the top of everyone's It's list. been astonishing, hasn't it? So... In this case, um, we're trying to steer people more into ETFs because not everyone's going to be investing directly in the share market, are they, Kurt? Yeah, well, like at Perlo, we're all about incremental investing in diversified portfolios for the long term. You know, that's that's the mantra. I'll be saying it till I die, probably. Um, the everyday person, it's just super simple, super robust way of getting to people's financial goals and, and you know, not making investing a part-time job. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because a lot of people just don't have the time to do the research and the, um, you know, the, the the amount of time that goes into doing it well. Yeah, exactly. It can take hours. You know, what we're here talking about today, it's not for those sort of people. It's a different conversation to investing for the everyday person. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you're lucky enough to come from a family that um, encouraged you to think about finances from an early age. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think it was just something I really wasn't aware of uh, growing up until I had the ability to reflect on it. And it was just my parents are smart with their money. Um, They invested in property, just like every boomer (laughs) that's around. Um, And then they went and reinvested some more, built it up, um, were conscious about making sure that cash flow was sorted and where their debts were, never had any bad debts. What I mean by that is debts on assets that don't increase in value. Good debts are things like a mortgage. Bad debts are things like credit cards, personal loans, things that you you, you don't get actually anything back on. They really instilled these values in us uh, subliminally, subconsciously, from a very young age, myself and my two younger brothers. And um, I guess we took that with us started even for me when I was like that first savings period around buying and selling chooks and rabbits at the local pet store and other things like that. The spirit of an entrepreneur from a young age. (laughs) 
Yeah. So did your parents um, invest in the share market as well? They did. Um, never had much luck, to be honest. I don't know about always, but from what I know, it was only forward by stockbrokers. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's one type of advisor. And uh, my parents were, were none the wiser when it came to, to shares, but they knew property inside out because they were real estate agents by trade. And so they kind of just focused there after getting burnt the first couple of times in the share market. That speaks to kind of do what you know. But yeah. for a lot of people, you're not in real estate and you're not in share market. So you do have to invest somewhere. And that's where you know, we'll get to ETFs and share market and passive investing soon, I think. But that's really where it comes in. But you became interested in the share market in a, at an early age as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'm not sure what it was that triggered me there. But I read The Barefoot Investor um, at 14. And for me, that was something that turned an interest into a passion. It was like second edition. I've still got the copy today with like, my handwriting hasn't got any better. Who so. <laughs> <laughs> <Who's> cares? <laughs> and yeah, then the year after I started investing, I pushed in my 15K life savings into three stocks, again off full advice, um, stockbroker's recommendation. And the year was 2007. <laughs> the best time to start investing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the best time to learn about investing. Yeah, but that was definitely the case. I learned a very good lesson. And one of those is around the diversification aspect. And um, I kind of, it did definitely scar me. All three of those got smashed. Two of them went to zero, never bounced back. And one did. Uh, it was just News Corp. So it floated around for a while and came back to where it was. Uh, so what were the ones that you bought? What were the ones that went to zero? I mean, they completely went bankrupt, did they? Yeah, they went bankrupt. Yeah. Um, very close to anyway. One was Alco Finance Group, which is was it was in the papers. It was meant to be the not so specky one, like mm-hmm. mid tier. News Corp was the blue chip, um, and I can't even remember for the life. I mean, now I think it was what the first one was. I've erased it from my memory. Yeah, you most probably would have. <laughs> so how did it feel? How did that feel going through that? So I had bitten into the bullet. Oh, bitten into the bullet. Bitten the cherry, the apple, whatever it is. Yeah. Of Investing is a long-term game. You've got to write it out. The market has ups and downs and swings and roundabouts. And if you just hold on for long enough, you'll never, you'll never go wrong. What you knew that from that sort of age as well? That was the mantra. Yeah, that was what I'd read. But you didn't feel, you didn't feel that, um, that sense of horror oh, as you're watching the red on the screen. But I you just felt kept that, did you? doing this over and over in my head. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And, and, then, <laughs> and then it wasn't. And I kind of got a few learnings from that. First of all, uh, I definitely wish that I had have had that exposure to, you know, what diversification was. Um, I still, at this stage, I had no idea what a, an exchange traded fund or a listed investment company really was. was well, there weren't, there weren't that many around at that time, was there? Yeah, like th- there are heaps more today. That's yeah, for sure. so many more. Yeah. Um, the other thing was it, it really showed me the true colors of the finance industry at a young age, where you know, there's got these people. And, getting paid to give advice by you and as a beginner putting you into these specky stocks it's just so immoral reflecting on it and personally i never thought i'd actually be in the the space as a co-founder of a new age online investing company i always looked at my self-education as something that i'd have for me and my friends who asked and, and things like that but nothing's changed in the industry the opportunity came up to actually get involved and make a difference. And so that's where Pearl was born. It's out of that philosophy, is it? It's really that philosophy combined with a real clear need around our friends and family and experiencing this 
how do I get started in investing? I feel locked out of the property market. I want to take control of my finances. And a change in society around we're now willing to talk about money for the first time in a long time. Money taboo is starting to fade. And that means that we've got, you know, we're talking about FinTalk earlier. Um, We've got these different trends that are happening that are actually starting conversations. And, you know, people will criticize that there are people out there talking about finance that don't really know what they're talking about but i gotta say at least the conversation's happening at least it's starting i know there's everyone's complaining about all of the pumpers and on twitter and videos on youtube but it it is it's true it's like you say people are actually having a conversation and this podcast and many of the other podcasts are examples of this exactly bringing it to people on their doorstep Mm -hmm. yeah so tell us about etfs when did you first realize what an etf was Um, So for those who don't know what they are, ETF is Exchange Traded Fund. It's a basket of shares. So essentially, you can spend $1,000 and spread it across the whole of the Australian stock market or the whole of the US stock market or even the whole of the world. So, you know, we're talking thousands of shares that you can buy with just $1,000. That's the premise of it. The idea is you get super good diversification. Um, Diversification means not all your eggs in one basket. You also can get really low cost um, access to it. Typically, before ETFs, you would have had to have bought all of these two, three, four thousand shares individually, get charged a broking fee every time, deal with all the tracking requirements, and it's just prohibitive. Um, and so, ETFs, index funds first were invented to solve that, and then they developed into exchange traded funds, which is just a listed version of the index fund. Um, so you can buy and sell them on the share market. Exactly, more accessible, easier mm. to work with. And it also came about because there's a lot of fund managers who don't even outperform the market either. Well, that's it. Um, So the market is the market in a (laughs) sense, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's some great studies out there and the only one I'll reference is the SPIVA study, S-P-I-V-A. It's like an active versus passive um, professional managers comparison. And it will show you that over a rolling five-year period, any comparison, um, passive outperforms active um, more than 50% of the time. And typically for your large cap indices, so they're the you know the big companies that are out there. If you just look at so like the ASX two hundred as the local example. Uh, yeah, the two hundred. Yep. So the one hundreds to two hundred aren't classed as large cap, but yeah, if you're talking about the whole ASX two hundred, mm-hmm. yes. So a manager who focuses on the ASX two hundred is a large cap manager, and so if you look at those, seventy percent. Or in Australia, in the US, in Asia, will underperform passive um, over a five-year lot rolling period. It's just like, well, why? You know, why? Why put paid extra fees? Why pay extra money? All this stuff. Um, just set and forget. Put it on oil autopilot. And that um, it also gives you a perspective on if these are people who are highly trained in finance, who are living and breathing it all the time, have got access to managers yep. and are the best software and the best research if they can't outperform the market how can your average dude yeah on 10 hours a week after work you know (laughs) exactly exactly although that's the peter lynch um story isn't it that um you can outperform because you do have an advantage however yeah i mean that's that's it personally and and as as a company too at pearl we've got nothing against going long term on some high conviction investments um but the responsible approach is comparing how your individual picks go against the passive um, strategy, actually investigate both to begin with. 
seeing how you stack up in performance, actually using a useful performance reporting tool like a share site or something else so you know your annual returns, you can compare them, you can see how they perform against the industry and then actually is that 10 hours a week you're spending picking stocks like worth it, 20, whatever, or is it even costing you, which is actually more often the case. And so tying it back to my story, Phil, like I was picking stocks with a long-term view since I was 16 then after I got burnt that first time. And then when I was 19, I actually went and just did a big deep dive. It took me like four months on like Google spreadsheets to actually do the whole full-blown reporting. I didn't know that there were all these software tools out there that could help me do it and found out that I'd essentially I'd, I'd done plus 0.1 on the market over those previous three, four years. It's like, you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And, and I, at that time, found out about ETFs kind of maybe in the year before that and said, that's going to be now my focus and that's my personal transition as an investor. Mostly self-taught, although I do have a degree in finance from UNSW, so I could start to get deep into it. And I did work as an investment analyst for a while too, but you know, I just don't want to spend my precious time. Too many beaches, aren't there? Like, there's too many, too many good things to do <laughs> um, than be pouring through company reports, especially when I can get a really, really, really good result just by investing in, in an ETF, do it every time I get paid, put 20% of my paycheck in there and away I go. You know, That's kind of what we're trying to facilitate. And think long-term. Oh, absolutely. You yeah, know. because that's the thing with ETFs. They'll go down. Yep. If the market goes down, an yep. ETF will go down. It's not a magic bullet in protecting yep. your portfolio. So how should investors think about that sort of situation? Yeah, for sure. Well, so the difference between an ETF and an individual stock is that they'll both go down. But if the ETF is sufficiently diversified, so the saying is broad-based, low-cost, so like tracks all of Australia or all the US or whatever, then it will never go to zero. right? It will never end up as an Alco finance group. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the reason, It'd be the end of the world if that happened, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If VASA 200, two biggest Australian ETFs, go to zero, that means Australia's economy is wrecked. It's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, mm. exactly. So that's why you can be confident that over a sufficiently long time period that it is relatively safe. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. What's it been like starting a fintech startup? A fintech talk startup. <laughs> <laughs> a fintech startup in the age of fintech. Yeah. It's been really challenging. Uh, it's been really liberating at the same time. Personally, passion of mine since I was 14. So that's been great. Um, to be able to provide access. You know, we've just passed a thousand people who've signed up on Perla's platform. It's phenomenal. feels like we're actually making a difference. A million dollars. You've just hit the million dollar invested <laughs> we, mark, haven't you? We have. We yeah. went net invested million dollars. So most other trading platforms are focused on the trading experience. And so they have... <laughs> That's a nice way of saying <laughs> brokerage fees. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So increasing the number of buyers and sells. And they're pretty ambivalent as to whether it's buyers or sells. But for us, we're really focused on 
making the purchases much bigger than the, the sales because that actually correlates with better financial outcomes for people. So we had a million fifty-seven thousand invested in Perla, and we had have had about fifty thousand sold. So as a team, we're pretty proud of that. Big big milestone for us, and we're stoked. Yeah, well, we should just talk about it though. Perla is, it's basically a trading platform. That's the the basic. Yeah, like you can go and buy and sell ETFs shares on this platform at yep. low cost. It's if you want to sum it up, it's the anti Robinhood. Yep. You know, Robinhood makes trading much easier into direct equities. Perla makes investing in direct equities much easier. That's the key difference. If you want to buy and sell, pick things, and you're doing it with a, like a less than one year sort of time window, then you don't want to use Perla. Um, it's you know the Australian equivalents of Robinhood are like Superhero, Self Wealth. There's some ones that are out there. Etoro. There's plenty. Etoro of as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas we're trying to build something that's fundamentally based around your financial journey, helping you achieve goals, get better financial outcomes. And so that's the difference. Uh, a few of the things that stand out is that we have Australia's first auto-invest feature, for example. So you can. So this is the first time it's been available in Australia, is it an auto-invest feature? Uh, yes, into direct shares. Yeah. So you can choose an ETF or any stock actually and say, I want to invest in this 20% of my paycheck every time I get paid. And we'll do that for you. You don't actually need to touch it again. You know, or, or even a set of ETFs. We have a bunch of different rules, but that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. When we've spoken before about Perla, you've mentioned that you've designed the site to make trading unattractive or the kinds of bells and whistles that other trading sites have are not available on Perla because yeah. you just want to encourage the long-term point of view. Absolutely. So like a lot of the defaults that are on your typical trading platform, for example, you have intraday trading so intraday price changes as the default price graphs and Perla we actually don't have any price graphs right now and mm. when we do have them it will be like 10 year defaults um, so really changing the paradigm there another example would be we don't have any any like fancy order types right now it's like <laughs> you can have 10 different order types and it's so hard like to figure out what it is you're meant to set, especially as a beginner, you know, should I do a market order, a limit order? What the hell is a stop loss order? Like all this stuff. You need to log in to the platform between the hours of 10 and 4, arbitrary reason. Like that's when the market's open to, to make an investment. Pearl, you don't need to do that. You can make an order at any time of day. We'll, we'll submit it when the market opens for you. It's that very long-term mentality. People might ask, well, what happens if the market changes overnight? Whatever it may be. It's like, well... If you're investing for 12 months or more, then one day's change doesn't matter. On all of the ETFs that we're talking about, sure, if you want to get into detail on micro caps, it could. But if you're going to invest in micro caps, then <laughs> you don't want to be using those features anyway. No, that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're in a whole different paradigm. Aren't exactly. You? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've organized a method where you can get free brokerage on certain buys of ETFs, haven't you? Tell us about that. Yeah, so we went to Australia's ETF managers and said, look, we're building this platform that promotes your products and promotes the right behavior in your products being long-term, buy, hold, accumulate. We want to help the investors even get more deeply embedded into these great products that you offer because genuinely ETFs are the thing that every investor should consider when they start as a starting point and also as the major portion of their portfolio. And everyone was interested, actually, when we talked to. And three ETF managers came to the table. They are Invest, ETF Securities, and Venek. And 
they essentially have said that if you as an investor invest in our ETF and you hold it for more than 12 months, then we will pay that purchase brokerage for you on your behalf. So you don't actually pay any brokerage on the purchase. You only pay it if you sell it within that 12 months, then you pay that brokerage. Exactly. Is that the way it works? Yeah, That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort of time frame do you think is a, a good time frame for younger investors to look at? In terms of what do you mean, Phil, by, by time frame? The best way to build long-term wealth. Like you mentioned 12 months before, but really 12 months to me is a very short window, especially if you've got years ahead of you. I completely agree. And so most of our current investors, they're investing for, for 20 plus years. And they're investing for what's called financial independence right now. Uh, it's a long-term goal uh, where people are incrementally investing over every month for 20 years. That's the the beauty of these ETFs and the ongoing investment. And you kind of combine that with your super, you get to this passive income sort of level where you're actually getting thousands of dollars a month after a 10-year period of doing this that then starts compounding. And it's this beautiful flywheel of compound growth, also known as the uh, the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> <laughs> compounding, yep. Yeah. Um, and so for most young people who are starting in the share market, I mean, there's there's two paradigms to look at this. Uh, it's like, what's your tolerance for risk? And there are, there are actually a few elements there. And we can dig into that if you like. But the other element is when do you need the money? So what's your psychological tolerance for volatility? And then when do you actually need the capital? And so on the when do you need it? You know, in an ideal world, you're actually investing for once you retire. If you're a true beginner and quite young. And so it's 20, 30, 40 years, depending on where you're at. But if you're buying, if you're saving for a home loan deposit, it might be a different paradigm that you're looking at. Yeah. Um, and then it starts to get a bit shorter. And then it's a question of how long away is that home deposit? Um, so in, in Sydney, Melbourne, the typical savings time is nine years, in which case you're still talking about a long time horizon. It still makes sense to invest in at least a portion of equities. And you can get a blend of like equities, bonds, cash in like these diversified ETF portfolios that say beta shares or Vanguard put out um, and you could just invest you know incrementally in them over a nine-year period and currently you're getting one percent interest let's say that you get the market return of four percent and who knows what will be over the next 10 years but four percent is pretty conservative that will get close to cutting your savings time in half it's a huge difference that we're talking about in terms of accumulating that deposit so again another long-term goal it's worth doing that for if you're just having kids now, you want to send them to a fancy private school. It's like, again, that's a it's a big chunk of money that's going to happen in 20, not 20, but like 12 years time. So again, another thing that it makes sense to invest in equities for because if you're saving for this stuff at 1% per annum and even at normal savings rates at 3 4%, like when the savings rates are doing that, then the market's still usually doing much better. So all of this stuff, it's like, let's start using these diversified portfolios as a tool to get to our financial outcomes sooner. Yep. Would you recommend people putting dividend reinvestment plans in place in this kind of long-term situation? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, must do, Phil. So. How do they do that? I mean, people sort of hear about dividend reinvestment plans, they don't know what's going on, and then... <laughs> yeah, you're getting... <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> you're getting pretty close to one of my biggest bugbears of the whole um, oh, really? yeah. <laughs> industry right now. Uh, apart from the Robin Hoods, which are <laughs> one thing. The second thing is that the reporting side of and the admin side of share investing is still far too archaic for what it needs to be. And so you need to log into a share registry. Um, so you actually need to figure out. So just to take a step back, the share registry is um, the company 
that does all of the admin for the uh, stock, like for the for the company that you're investing in. Yeah, and that's where you get the those letters that start arriving once you've made yeah. the purchase. You suddenly get all this paperwork, and you go, "What do I do with all this paperwork?" Yeah, that beautiful paper trail. Okay. Uh, exactly. So that's them. You need to go to their website, but the painful thing is that they're different ones depending on which company you invest in, and then you need to see if your company or ETF offers it. All broad-based ETFs I know of offer dividend reinvestment plans. Um, and then you just tick the dividend reinvestment offer and away you go. And you also tick the email option so you don't get all that paperwork on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just such a pain. <laughs> but you have to do that every time you purchase. I know this is one of the things that people aren't warned about, yep. that they, um, they're going to get all this paper, but there is the option to make it all email, all electronic. And what is a dividend reinvestment plan? Um, so dividend reinvestment plan says every time the company pays me dividends or trust or whatever it may be, pays me dividends, um, I'm going to reinvest those. Um, and so you can do that for companies, you can do that for ETFs. So you get the sh- you get shares in the investment rather than getting the cash. Exactly. And so, you know, a lot of people will invest their dividends anyway, but every time you invest your dividends, there's two things that happen. First of all, you've got some time that that money isn't being invested, that it's just sitting in an account. You know, if you're a true believer in compound interest, then you want to maximize the amount of money and the amount of time that it spends in those investments. And the second thing is that um, the, the dividend reinvestment plan skips any brokerage costs. It just goes directly in via the registry. So, And sometimes there's a bit of a discount as well, isn't there? Can be. Can be. Can be. That's more with companies than ETFs though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah typically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, another another good reason to, to sign up for this if, if that's yeah. what you're doing. So were we talking about a special promo or anything we were going to talk about today? Oh, we, we do have a, a special deal, Phil, for, for the listeners. Well, let's talk about the special deal then. <laughs> All right then. Well, um, right now we're, we're in beta, but because of Shares for Beginners support, we're um, extending the ability to skip our waitlist completely and just jump straight on in um, if, you, if you come in through your link. So if you go pillar.com and then request access, then there's an invite code. So shares for beginners beta is what the invite code is. So all one word, lowercase. Yeah. Um, and, and you'll be through. You skip straight through. There's a little form there that makes sure that you're a, a long-term investor. Uh, because we, we, we really do take Oh, that's right. There's the questionnaire, isn't it, that yep. takes you through exactly the kind of, you know, you want to filter out <laughs> the, the Robin Hood types. <laughs> exactly. Go somewhere else. And then, yeah, away we go. And so as far as the platform goes, we're getting towards the end of our beta at the moment, although we are about to add in and have actually just added in US securities. We're starting to expand that to all of our existing customer base um, over the coming month. And then once that happens, we'll be really launching. But this is kind of getting in ahead of the curve for anyone who's interested. Kurt, thank you very much for joining me today. Bill, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. Thanks to Christopher Soulos for music production with that special Greekalicious flavour. Remember, music always flows, even when the money won't. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 